For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's up, everyone? You are listening to episode 142 of Half Street High Heat, presented by Manscaped and a part of the Fan Sided Network. I am Nick. You can catch me on Twitter at Nationals Ace. I am joined by my co-host, as always, Ryan and Amanda. Catch them on Twitter at We Are All Shack and at A White Seven Eight Seven Seven. Follow the show at Half Street High Heat. Get a bunch of great tweets and also clips of the games if you can't watch them live. So always a good time to uh, follow the account and stay up to date with the latest new look Nats, but we'll get to that in a second. Ryan, Amanda, how are you guys doing? Um, feeling a little shell shocked, honestly. Um, I've had a couple of days to absorb it all now, but uh, <clears throat> many, many thoughts and feelings about what the Nats did this week. Yep. Yep. That's fair. Ryan, what about you? Um, You know, Things are great. I had a good weekend. Um, got ice cream, went to brunch, you know, mm-hmm. everything's fantastic. <laughs> ice cream makes everything actually brunch too makes everything and, better. And I, I scootered today when it was raining, and like my friend and I we were trying to break down the hill, but our brakes weren't working because it's a scooter and it was really wet. Just hydroplane down the entire hill. It was it was honestly, it could have been an Olympic sport in that moment. Um, it was pretty great. Um, All can, right, I, well, can I ask you the important question, which is what you had for brunch? Um, I had a three egg omelet with sausage, bacon, and cheese. And yeah, that was it. Sausage and bacon oh, together in the same omelet fast. is a power move. I just want to mm. say that. Look, power moves only. Nick gets it. This is true. Yeah. Uh, and you can't really classify your scooter hydroplane as an Olympic sport until it starts like dancing sideways like the horses do. <laughs> then then we can talk about you know gold medal status or anything like have that. you guys been watching much olympics okay so gymnastics every single time just blows my mind it's the most Ugh. absurd thing i've They're ever seen so in my life crazy. but then like i see track and it just makes me feel so crappy about myself because these people are like celebrating while like setting world records and running and meanwhile i walk up a hill and i get tired Mm-hmm. And these people are like pumping their chest as a breaking the world record. Like it's not, it's not fair how athletic these people are. Where the hell's my talent? Well, in, in <laughs> fairness, they work really, really hard at it. And I feel like I could probably, you know, go up two flights of stairs without getting winded if I cut <laughs> off my ass and exercise once in a while. So I try not to be too jealous. Ryan, you're just goddamn adorable. That's how you get by. I, I, I am goddamn adorable. <laughs> no, no lies detected. No lies detected. All right. So normally we would get into our quick pitch, but our quick pitch today is going to be very nationals related, as you can probably expect after the last uh, events of the 72 hours or or so. Um, So we're going to start with Ryan's weekend review. He's going to break down everything that went on and there's plenty of it, obviously with the trade deadline passing. So I'm going to leave the floor to Ryan and uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Indeed, it was a wild and wonderful trade deadline, one of the wildest we've ever had with the Cubs and Nationals, two teams that expected to compete, it completely tearing it down, and the Twins, who also thought they would compete, selling as well. We have pure mayhem on the deadline, and some of the biggest moves that we saw, Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo head to the Bronx, Max and Trey head to uh, LA, Chris Bryant heads to the Giants, Javi Baez heads to the Mets. Craig Kimbrell goes to the White Sox. The A's acquired Josh Harrison and Jan Gomes. Jose Barrios goes to the Blue Jays in a shocking move because they gave up a lot to get the guy. Kyle Schwarber went to the Boston Red Sox as well. And surprisingly, the Red Sox did not 
address their pitching. Speaking of surprising, the Rockies did not trade Trevor Story or any of their pitchers. Trevor Story was very upset and confused and pulled himself out of the lineup on Friday night because he was not traded. Heading away from the deadline, uh, White Sox rookie uh, Seti Zavala is the first player in MLB history to hit his first three career home runs in the same game. Mets failed to sign first-round pick Kumar Rocker. Fernando Tatis Jr. is on the 10-day IL as he dislocated his shoulder again. Season-ending surgery is on the table, which will put a massive blow to the Padres' playoff odds. To the NL East, in fifth place are the 44-61 and 61 Marlins. They got swept by the New Yankees, and they're up against the Mets next. In fourth place are the 49 and 56 Nationals. More on their wild week in a second. In third place are the 52 and 54 Braves. They dropped two, three to the Brewers, have the Cardinal next. This deadline, they added Adam Duvall, Richard Rodriguez, Eddie Rosario, and Jorge Soler. They completely revamped their very injured outfield and also added Jock Peterson earlier in the month. In second are the 52 and 53 Phillies. They dropped two or three to the Pirates and head to D.C. They acquired Freddie Galvis and Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and Hans Kraus for the top prospect, Spencer Howard. Dave Dombrowski strikes again. In first are the 55 and 49 Mets. They lost two or three to the Reds, debuting the fire in New Jersey's and head to Miami next. All week long, they were the biggest suitors for Chris Bryant. That changed as Chris Bryant went to the Giants, as noted, and they added his teammate, Javi Baez, as well as Trevor Williams, this deadline. This week, this has been your week in review, and make sure you guys head on over to our website and check out all of our latest gear. That's right. Go to tpublic.com and search Half Street High Heat, and you can check up all of our latest merchandise and swag. So I think it's safe to say this has definitely been the best and wildest trade deadline, definitely in recent memory, but just the number of moves, but also the level of the names being moved was second to none again in, in recent history. Was there a one particular move that surprised you or, um, you know, you didn't expect a person to go to a particular destination. I know we, we mentioned, or Ryan mentioned the Jose Barrios one. That was kind of surprising, but any other ones? You know, actually one you mentioned Ryan was the Trevor story, not being moved might've surprised me more than any of the moves that got made. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I for sure thought he was going to be moved, especially what guys were going for. Teams were paying up to get their guys, but I think the, Biggest surprise was that the Padres didn't really respond after the Dodgers got Max and Trey. Like I fully expected them to go out and be aggressive and get a pitcher and they weren't, which was kind of surprising to me, um, especially with who their GM is and how obnoxiously aggressive he is. Um, He acquired a all-star second baseman when they had an all-star second baseman. I was kind of surprised about that, but Chris Bryant to the Giants that was a very nice move by them. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. I knew it, Bryant would go somewhere, but the Giants was not really on my radar. I did I did not think he'd go to the Giants, but that was a fantastic move by them. And the NOS is going to be so much fun this rest of the way. Oh, yeah. It'll be as much fun as the NL East isn't. Yeah. And like we talked about when we did our predictions last episode, I had Max going to the Dodgers, which ended up being correct. But my thought process was the Dodgers would respond to the Padres. Right, because the Padres had already made the Adam Frazier move and were looking to add more. So I thought the Dodgers would, you know, step up their game. But it wasn't obviously the Dodgers kind of struck first in terms of the actual deadline, so to speak. But rather than the Padres responding, the Giants responded with a, a better move than any of the, the Padres moves, in my opinion. So the yeah. the Giants are for real. And it's, I, I think we really need to start giving them respect. Obviously we've kind of noted that they're in first place and going to lock up a wild card spot seemingly. And obviously they have great pitching and a solid well-rounded team, but a move like Chris Bryant, if he gets hot easily could propel this team, because like I said, it's a well-rounded team and you really only need one catalyst to elevate a well-rounded team. We've seen it. Yeah. So, and it's August. It's not like it's, you know, May and they're, and they're doing as well as they right. are. You know, I mean, you're right. I think they do deserve to maybe start getting some respect as a, as a true threat in that division. But honestly, the, the Padres, like they weren't as aggressive as I thought they'd be. And then with the news about Tatis, you almost think, okay, well, after what the Giants just did, are the Padres like 
going to find themselves in trouble here. They thought the they had Max. They yeah. really thought they had Max and then that fell apart. And like reading the takes from the Padres front office and like reading everything with the athletic, it's actually really, really interesting because they thought they had Max and they said it happened very fast. And I think that kind of just threw them off and they just didn't really have enough time to get anything going. And they're like, you know what? We like our team. We got Adam Frazier. Let's ride. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. we'll see how that works out for him. But yeah, it's definitely a lot of interesting stuff going on. The Trevor Story thing was baffling to me. I thought if you had asked me prior to the trade deadline, if there's one guy you would have been absolutely sure was getting moved, he would have been on my list. The the Rockies just make no sense. They pay $50 million to get rid of Nolan Arenado. But and then don't, don't trade Trevor Story. Trevor Story. Or even John Gray in a, like Matt came on on our last episode for those who listened and talked about how uh, people like uh, <clears throat> Max Scherzer got such a, a good haul. And yeah, it was Jose such Barrios a seller's market. Because, because yeah, uh, of how barren the starting pitcher market was. So even a John Gray, who's not top tier by any means, but a solid pitching commodity, would have netted you a good return. And obviously that's what the Rockies are hoping for at this point is prospects to hit so that, that they can eventually return to contention again, like they were a couple of years ago. You, but you need to make those moves for that, that deal to, for that possibility to happen. So the fact that they're just banking on qualifying offers for draft picks that may or may not hit and it's qualifying offers at the end of the first round or excuse me, draft picks from the qualifying qualifying offers at the end of the first round. So it's not even like you're getting a top five pick. So it's just, and even if you did get a top five pick, it's, there's no guarantee that they hit. There's, there's no such thing as a, a sure thing in any no. draft, let alone the MLB draft. So just made no sense. Even the angels, right? The angels who went into the season thinking there would be going to be contenders. Whereas the Rockies, I would hope they didn't expect to be contenders. The angels even admitted like saying, Hey, you know, we should probably sell a little bit because it is a seller's market and we can get some return. And then hopefully everyone's healthy for 2022. We run this back, right? Like that, that's a, a wise move by them. It was a little too late. They should have sold a little bit more, but at least they were aware enough to make that kind of move. So it was uh, definitely an interesting deadline, but obviously capped off by the Nats decision to sell and not just sell, but, I think fire sales burn kind of it a, down is what yeah, they I think a fire be. fire sale is an appropriate term here. Uh, and granted, you know, or again, like I said, going a little bit out of order. So this is our quick pitch for today and basically just our fan reaction to the move. And we're just going to open the floor and kind of just let it roll and see where it goes. But uh, what are your guys' honest reactions to the moves? Like business aside, especially you, Ryan, because I know you're very business oriented with the moves, but just like as a fan, how are you feeling about this team? Um, so on June 7th, I made a list of 11 players this team needed to trade. Eight of them were moved and one got cut. I just want to point out that I know ball and <laughs> um, front offices should hire me because I know ball, but Business aside, looking as a fan, my biggest concern is that the Nats weren't going to sell enough. Knowing where this team was at, knowing where this farm system was at, I was worried that they were just going to stop at Max and Brad Hand. Um, <clears throat> seeing when the first notification went out with the breaking news, Dodgers acquired Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, I was shocked. It was just pure shock factor not about max that that trey was actually traded i didn't think they had it in them i did not think he was going to actually trade trey turner but when i saw that he traded him like i was kind of sad i was like damn it's over like this is it mm -hmm. um but part of me was also excited because it was the right move to make and it showed that this team in front office was actually going to do the right thing and tear it down and then the next two hours was pure chaos because literally they just traded the entire roster. Even keep up they traded 30 percent of the roster between that and the deadline but i have given rizzo a lot of heat in the past couple of seasons he was up against he had a pretty big challenge he had to rebuild the farm system which was dead last and ownership very clearly wanted him to clear payroll and not retain any payroll in the trades which by the way 
that brings, you know, the return down. But he got good prospects. He he brought the farm system from 30 to 23. And he also cleared payroll, like the Max and Trey Turner uh, thing. He got the top two prospects. The other two were mid-tier. That was because the Dodgers had to eat 18 million. So it sucked, but it was also exciting. And I have to get Mike Rizzo my props. I thought he did a very, very good job at the trade deadline. And I give credit where it's due. Mike Rizzo did a great job at the deadline. Yeah, um, I have to agree with the he did a great job. It is difficult as a fan. Um, that first when the news broke, I mean, there was all the stuff about Max and Padres that was going on for hours. And then that was clear that was sort of falling apart because you know you started to see cryptic tweets from some of the big MLB reporter accounts. And when the news broke that it was Trey and Max going to the Dodgers, I was like you, Ryan, shocked and sad. I mean, obviously, I we've talked so much on this podcast about how they needed to sell and how the team needed to recognize where they were and they needed to start over, if not a full rebuild, at least a, a real retool. And all of that was true and it, it remains true. And Rizzo did a great job of doing that. But as a fan, it was very, very difficult to see so many of the guys you you so many of the guys you like going to other teams but the one that really hurt was was Trey and Max the rest of them were you know i mean it was six other players and it wasn't like it was guys you didn't necessarily care about but they weren't long time mats they, they didn't have the emotional impact of of Turner and Max going and and just the realization for me that we knew after the 2019 the 2019 season was lightning in a bottle we talked a lot about in the 2020 season how obviously this roster was not well constructed. And I think that the the team probably decided to just punt on that because they're like, hey, it's a weird COVID season. Let's see what we actually have in a normal season. And it became very clear that they did not have, there was just so much weirdness that happened in July with injuries and then the COVID stuff. The thing with Starling Castro that Strasburg news, there was just so many things piling up. It was obvious this season was going to be a loss. And I did not think Mike Rizzo had it in him to do what he did to get rid of everybody like he did. But we talked about early in the season, we talked about how when we were talking off season that he had obviously constructed the roster in such a way that he could sell off at the trade deadline if he had to. So I think he really did do a good job. And some of his not selling in the past was likely not, his choice, but ownership's choice. So I do give props. It's very, very difficult as a fan, but I am excited for the future. It's fun to have some youth on the team. It's fun to have new prospects to look up and read about and talk about. And uh, I'm going to the game tomorrow. I can't wait to see Josiah Gray's Nats debut. But yeah, I'm a little devastated, but after a couple of days to absorb it, I'm sad, but excited, I guess would be in a nutshell. The... Um, I just want to make one more comment. The Max of the Padres thing is really interesting. Um, I kind of brought this up in our emergency podcast, but there was a athletic article talking about how the Dodgers got both of them. It was kind of the Dodgers the entire time, but the Nats wanted uh, Ruiz. And when the Dodgers balked at that, they just shifted to the Padres. And then basically they leaked it that it was close. So Rosenthal tweeted that, and then Rosenthal tweeted it. That's when the Dodgers came in and were like, hey, we'll give you Ruiz if you throw in Trey Turner. And so everything kind of ran from there. It was just really interesting. And Max Nick's two trades, he vetoed one to the American League and a second one that people believe is the Padres. But it was pretty cool just reading all that. He nixed too. I hadn't heard that. I'm super interested mm-hmm. to know be- why and which teams it was. MLB.com reported that he vetoed one in the American League and the athletic hinted that he vetoed to the Padres. Interesting. I wonder why. Padres yeah, would have seemed like a nice fit to me, but I, don't I, I saw the uh, the hint or whatever you want to call it to the Padres that Max vetoed, which was uh, weird, definitely. Um, yeah, wonder, what's your fan reaction, Nick? I, I wonder if he vetoed a trade to the Blue Jays. Yeah. <laughs> that because like i they were clearly willing to pay up right they they overpaid for jose barrios just because of the state of the market but they needed starting pitching we identified that in our you know divisional preview prior to the season so the fact that they went out and addressed it i have to give credit where credit is due i think that's 
a great move by their front office continuing to be aggressive, obviously after the addition of Semyon and Springer to their lineup, it's just a great job. And obviously they, they acquired Brad hand too. So great job on the blue Jays really stepping it up. But I, I wonder if that deadline. was the one, because obviously for max, he wants to be with a contender, right? So the blue Jays are a fun team. And maybe if max was a few years younger, he gives them a shot, but who knows how much max has left? Who knows how, much max thinks he has left so i i get wanting to go with a solidified contender even with the padres like yeah you know they're good on paper but they're third in the nl east can they even beat the giants in in dodgers and no disrespect to the padres just trying to get into side and get inside max's head which is probably a fascinating place to be um but yeah my reaction similar to Ryan's and Amanda yours as well. Like it, it, it was tough, but this is what we've been calling for. Right. I mean, Ryan was the, the, the one <laughs> to bring it up. Um, I mean, before anyone else could even fathom it, but Ryan was the one to bring up the possibility of trading Trey Turner because his age and whatnot doesn't fit the timeline of a p- potential retool or rebuild. The, Mat- the Nats might not be competitive again until 2024. Uh, it doesn't seem like it will take long because they have, again, like I said last week, they've got the good bones in place to contend should everything go well. Um, but Trey's timeline didn't really match ours anymore. We wanted him around. They were clearly trying to keep him around with all the extension talk, but it just didn't work out, and that's fine. And I'm glad you guys both brought up the credit to Rizzo because that's where my mind went. Like I, I've criticized this it. man so much <laughs> that I, you know, it, it affected my um, perception of what he could do or what he would do to the point where it's like, I, you know, I kind of forgot that he was a GM and he has a job and he knows what, you know, he has to do. Like we talked about, all season long, it's like, if we can see it, why can't Rizzo see it, right? Turns out Rizzo has been seeing it the whole time. And I will happily, happily you know, what's the, the expression, eat crow or whatever, egg on my face, whatever you want to say. Like Rizzo, you know, is in his role for a reason. And this is just the first time he's really been faced with this, with this position and decision, right? Like he even said that uh, after – the deadline was over that it was the hardest day of, in his career as a GM. And I can see why, because, <laughs> yeah, you know, when he got there, he was trying to build the team up. And then once the team was built up in like 2012, then, you know, it was time to go on a run and they just kept running and running and running until they couldn't run anymore. Like this team was given every opportunity to succeed the shortened 2020 season in this 2021 season. And they just couldn't do it. And that's, that's Okay. Like it happens, but you have to adjust accordingly. And Rizzo did. He learned from his mistakes and kind of past experience and trials and tribulations, whatever you want to call it, specifically 2018, because that's what we all point to. They should have traded Bryce with the benefit of hindsight. And, you know, maybe they don't have to trade Trey or maybe they're just don't even consider trading Trey because they have prospects from the Bryce deal. And maybe those are, approaching the majors so they have backup whereas prior to this deadline they didn't have any backup there's no reinforcements on the horizon well now we have plenty we have one making his debut tomorrow man like you said we have another one that's immediately got put into uh the bullpen with mason thompson like he's gonna be we haven't seen him yet but you know he's already reinforcements and we have kiebert ruiz who's the 16th ranked prospect in baseball ready and waiting in the wings and hopefully like we in have the future for us. <laughs> yeah. We have reinforcements now, which is like, damn, like it feels good. And that's ultimately where I land on this whole decision um, is that it feels like the Nats have finally adjusted their expectations to meet mine. And I don't mean that in like a funny way. I just mean all three of us have kind of been very realistic about this team all season long. And now it feels like the Nats, are on the same page as us so we can just enjoy it and i know it's tough for people who 
I don't even really want to call them bandwagon fans because it's not like the Nats or the Dodgers or the Yankees or whatever that truly have bandwagon or the Padres that truly have bandwagon fans. Like if you're a Nats fan, like we're, we, we're not big enough to turn you away. <laughs> this is what it comes down to. So if you, if you're, yeah, we can't Nats be picky. Fan, if you're a Nats fan post 2012, really, when the Nats became competitive, that's fine, but you've never had to experience this. So my, my advice to you is just enjoy, adjust your expectations and enjoy the, the potential because really that's what keeps you invested in, in your teams in any sport is the potential. And right now that that's, that's what the Nats are, you know, built on any prospects, any young guys, it's the potential of what this team can be. Whereas before, you know, just a week ago, it was what this team was this team was good in 2019, right? People were just clinging to the past. Well, now we can finally shift our expectation to the future and look forward. And there's people upset and that's fine. But again, I want to say to them, you can be upset, but still be excited about the future. It doesn't have to be the biggest mistake in franchise history to trade away to two superstars, which, you know, it sounds kind of, backwards saying it out loud but good can come out of this is what i'm trying to say so let's look forward to the future because i'm really excited i'm sad that you know that this chapter has closed but i'm ex- still excited for the future and i there's no problem with that they're they're not mutually exclusive or whatever no like, that's exactly you, right like i'm you, feel you sad and excited, excited. <laughs> so that's really where I land. And one other credit to Rizzo, and we're not, we don't have to talk about it too much, but once the Starlin Castro punishment was levied, mm-hmm. immediately said they were going to release him. Just done deal. No ifs, ands, or buts. No tolerance. And so I love, I love that. I Me love too. it. Rizzo has been very decisive. All, it wasn't easy, but he's been decisive, you know, probably all season long, but specifically in the past week. I mean, he hit on every single mark. And I, there's just no room to, to <laughs> criticize. No room for I'm criticism. Sure we, I'm sure we will in the future, but there's really no room. He, he nailed this deadline. Thing. Nailed this deadline. Yeah, agreed. And the sad and excited thing, I think you made a wonderful point that they're not mutually exclusive. You can be sad because this chapter is officially over. And the thing that's hard to... The thing that's hard for people to understand, I think, is that it was already over. This is just acknowledging that it's over. And it's hard, but you just said, Nick, you know, it sounds weird to say out loud, like it's not a mistake to trade away your two biggest superstars. But on a team that's going nowhere, what good is having superstars? You can't win a World Series with two superstars. So you're better off with a bunch of young guys. You can build a new championship roster around, even though it's tough to say goodbye to players that have meant so much to the franchise. And, you know, I've even heard people or seen people on Twitter say things like, oh, you know, everybody needs to just calm down. It's just a game. It doesn't really affect your life, but you invest a lot of emotion. And if you're a sports fan, especially a diehard fan of a team, you invest a lot of energy and time and emotion into that team. And it's totally natural to feel upset and even a little bit betrayed and all of that by the whole thing, no pun intended. But, um, I think that you you have to realize that going to the future, you can't hold on forever to that, that championship roster because they weren't going to win another championship. They tried for two seasons. It was clearly not going to work. And so they did what good teams do, which is pivot and, and try to start over and win again. And it's hard right now, but when they're eventually competitive again and hopefully win another World Series, you know, this will all feel you'll feel nostalgic about those guys, but you'll no longer, I think, feel sad, particularly. And I think, uh, and Matt hit the nail on the head, so I'm not trying to steal his thunder because he he knows way more than I do and, and says it way more or way better than I ever will. But the, the attention shifts to Juan Soto now. And uh, a lot of fans obviously pointed to that. Mike Rizzo came out and said it. Davey came out and said it. Juan Soto is the heart and soul of this team through and through now. He already kind of was before, but now it's him unquestionably. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of pressure. That Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, but it comes with a few, I guess, silver linings 
he's a free agent what in 2025 Juan Soto yeah I think he's under control through the 24 season you don't have him locked up long term I mean for three more years which if you want to consider that long term whatever you you have him locked up for three more years but there's no guarantee past that and you're certainly can and should try to lock him up past that but you also don't want to waste these next three years so it's not going to be a full-fledged rebuild some may argue that's in the Nats' best interest. Whatever, we, we're not going to get into that. My point is the Nats are still going to be aggressive. And I think that's what anyone who's really hurt by these moves, not because they're missing out on these on, on their favorite players, but because the Nats punted on the season, the Nats can still be aggressive. And that's what we've been preaching this entire time at the Nats sell. It doesn't discount them from competing in 2022 this team has more holes now obviously but they can still be very aggressive you're going into 2022 similar to the way you went into this year you need Strauss to come back healthy you need Corbin to rebound you're expecting big things from Josh Bell you need Juan Soto to perform at MVP level obviously those are four big ifs and you know you need those things to go right but to be a World Series winner you have to have a lot of things go go right just for any team that wins a world series they have things that go right just what it boils down to there's no strategy or scientific formula for things going right they just happen or they don't there's always some kind of luck involved right so if the nats can support their team in a way to um you know elevate themselves if things go right then they're magically back into contention in 2022. Again, I'm not saying they will be contenders. I'm not trying to, you know, get everyone's hopes too high just for us to be disappointed by the the life that is being a DC sports fan, (laughs) but they can. And I think they will specifically with middle infield. One of the, the, I guess, silver linings of trading Trey is there's five very very viable long-term options at shortstop on the market this this offseason and we know the Nats have been uh, open to spending money and they just cleared 18 million in the Max Scherzer deal which as Ryan said was very crucial to this team's success because it frees up a little bit money down the road right so they can they can extend one of these uh, or excuse me signed one of these guys to a long-term deal and there's you know, a huge piece in their, their lineup. It could be a Chris Bryant. It could be Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, uh, Corey Seager, um, Javi Baez, whoever they want to choose. There's plenty of options and that's the beauty of it, right? They can be right back in it with a couple correct moves. Cause again, you, you, things just need to go right. And part of that is making the right additions, whether that does or does not happen always remains to be seen. It always will. We thought the Corbin signing looked pretty good after one year. But, you know, that's just the way baseball goes. My point, again, is after a long-winded way of saying it, we can be right back in it in 2022. And it seems like Mike Rizzo will do that because he wants to maximize Juan Soto while he's here. Juan Soto is going to hit free agency, in my point. It doesn't mean he's going to go elsewhere. But, again, in these next three years that he's definitively here, the Nats will try to contend. And we probably won't see a teardown quite to this magnitude again. So, you know, be happy about that, but also be happy that, you know, we're going to be contenders and trying to contend. We're not going to go through a Orioles, a Tigers level rebuild where if we get one promising guy, he's immediately shipped out of town. It won't be to that level. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. They're not going to waste Juan Soto. Yeah. And like we said, we have a lot of promising prospects that, you know, might fill up some holes so that we don't need to address them in free agency. And they, they started off pretty well, you know, winning two of three over the weekend. I mean, that's something that Max Scherzer and Trey Turner and company couldn't do against the Orioles. So, Hey, <laughs> an excellent point just saying, but yeah, the Nats took two or three from the Cubs over the weekend. Granted the Cubs have uh, had a, a fire fire sale of their own, but one of the best things of the weekend was, pressure-free baseball and that's kind of what i was just talking about adjusting your expectations uh i went to the game saturday which was of course the one they lost but it didn't hurt 
it, it was fine because you know I was rooting for Luis Garcia. Carter keep I tweeted Carter keep him home run one pitch before he grounded into a double play. Like that that's just the way pressure free baseball goes. But how did you guys like feel watching the Nats, the new look Nats this weekend? It is it's pretty nice, you know. I, I didn't have any expectations coming into the season. Um, didn't really expect much, but now there are quite literally no expectations. It doesn't really matter. Like you're basically just seeing what this team has going forward. There's no pressure on them. There's no expectations or anything. Your season's kind of done. Like you sold off at the deadline. You're just playing your young guys, a lot of triple A dudes. And it's fun. It's a different type of feel literally all that matters right now is seeing how Luis Garcia seeing how Cardi Keeboom seeing how Robles does Josiah Gray when he comes up um those young guys are what matter and Keeboom's going to play every single day Luis Garcia is going to play every single day those guys are going to get their chance to prove hey look we can be this full-time thing going forward and it's fun and I'm going to be really excited watching them see how they develop as this entire season goes on yeah, um, the pressure free is a perfect description. It, you know, watching this weekend series, you just kind of, you know, you hope for them to win, but it just doesn't really feel like it matters. And I've, I think I've, I've said lots of times that, you know, we, we, you shouldn't take for granted how exciting it is to have your team be relevant and in contention and pushing for playoffs every year. Obviously, that's the goal. You always want your team to be in the playoffs. You always want your team to win a championship. But now that that is no longer what everyone's expecting, it's no longer, there is no pressure for them to do that. You really can just kind of enjoy watching the young guys and seeing what you have. And when there was the pressure for them to perform because they were, you know, we're only so-and-so games behind the Mets. Let's see if we can win this terrible division. You you weren't going to play those young guys because, you know, if you, everybody then freaks out because you're not pe- playing your best players, you're not giving it your best chance to win. Now that nobody expects you to win, there's actually going to be an opportunity for those guys to develop. And I think in the lost season, getting to see months worth of, you know, two months of those guys playing every day, it's not only great for their development, but it gives the front office a real look at the major league level at what they have in these guys. And then they can make those decisions for next season. Like, where do we actually need to address, you know, where can we, where can we go with guys we already have in the system? And, and that's, that's really valuable. And, uh, you know, as you pointed out, there's a lot of holes, Nick, you said, you know, now there's a lot more holes than there, there were before, but some of those holes are going to be filled by guys already in the system, presumably. So it's a, it's a different feel, but it's not unenjoyable, I guess would be my take on the situation. Yeah. And you know how after every off season or trade deadline, uh, there's always those articles that come out and say winners and losers of so-and-so or like right. of the deadline or of this team's move or of this made a trade. One of the biggest winners of the Nats actions at the deadline is Carter Keeboom, in my opinion, because the, the Nats con- like time after time tried to make Carter Keeboom this all-star level third baseman for a championship contending team. And he was not there yet. And that's perfectly fine. That That's a very tough position to, to be thrown into. And he, he was thrown out there. People were saying we let Rendon go, but we have Carter Keeboom. Like that was the level of expectation, whether, of whether he liked it or not, whether Rizzo liked it or not, that was the expectation that's what this team needed quite frankly this team needed a rendon replacement and we were given carter keeboom so it's like hey i guess carter keeboom's a rendon replacement now go do rendon things like that's not fair so now that you you strip the team down and i i made a joke about it on twitter like you make this team resemble that of a triple a team and carter keeboom is suddenly doing better <laughs> like, it's it, true it, the, the pressure the pressure free baseball doesn't apply to just us fans it applies to some of these players too Especially and again specifically like carter keeboom like the pressure to be this all-star level caliber player and come through in the clutch to to help your team get in the playoffs which is still open i mean i'm not really going to to dive down that rabbit hole but you know Carter Keaton can just go out there and play and he he's gonna have some growing pains like there's a couple plays at third you know it seems like there's one every game where it's just like 
<sighs> damn Carter, come on. <laughs> but at the same time, again, it's pressure free. So it's like you, you think about it and then you just let it go because it doesn't matter. It just, you know, it, it's you're you're resilient with it. You just let it go. It just rolls right off you. And I think Carter Keebum's a great winner of this. And I hope he can take advantage of it where he can play with more confidence and play pressure free and play to the baseball player. We all know he can be, because I think even, even the, the fans for the most part can see it's mental with him. It, mm-hmm. It's this, this block that he gets when he gets to the major. So I'm hoping that this helps him settle into a groove where it's like, Hey, you're going to play third base every day for the next 60 games, go out there and, you know, have some fun and, you know, make stuff happen. Like that's exactly how I would want to play baseball. So I hope Carter can take advantage of that, but someone who is taking advantage of that two people, really Victor Robles back in the leadoff spot. And he's not hitting the ball all that well, but he's getting on base a good amount. And he has, in his career, not a huge sample size, but he has pretty good stats in the leadoff spot. And it seems like he'll be there to stay. And Yadiel Hernandez, who's all of a sudden this mm-hmm. team's cleanup hitter has been on fire recently. And this is, you know, kind of the things I hope Carter Keepum does, but what are your guys thoughts on uh, our new look leadoff hitter and cleanup hitter? So Robust needs to stay in the leadoff spot. Just let him go. He was supposed to be a leadoff guy this year and they gave it like a week and just completely abandoned it. Just let it ride. Just let him go up there, do his thing, try to get used to it and establish himself. He's been batting eighth or ninth, like basically his entire career. Excuse me. He's been batting at the bottom of the line basically his entire career. Let him get used to this. Let him get experience up there and just see what happens. You know, I like Robles up there. I think his speed is dangerous up there. Um, He's pretty good at bunting. Like I said, the hitting really hasn't been there, but if he can work walks, get hit by pitch because the man gets hit a lot. Mm -hmm. That's great. Whatever you got to do, get on base. Literally, it it doesn't matter. Like even if he has like a nine pitch or eight pitch strikeout to start the game, yeah, he struck out, but that's a great at bat because you're starting the game with that. And even if he Mm -hmm. could do that, like that's great. I think they should let ride there. Yadiel Hernandez, fantastic. Um, he went four for four in the walk. He's the first person to do that this year. Really surprising. Um, he's the old man of the team now. He's 32 years old, old guy on the squad because, you know, everyone's gone. Um, really good. Just let the man hit. And, again, this is an audition for him to have a roster spot next year. And he's been doing pretty well. And it's he's a really good story. And I like seeing him do well. Yeah, he has a great story, and uh, it's kind of something I haven't gotten used to yet, thinking of a 32-year-old as the old man of this team. They've been old for so long. But yeah, he's been a revelation. I mean, we pointed out some stats here. Um, You guys put, I forget which of you put these in the show doc here, but last seven games, hitting 600, 600, and 1,200. I mean, what the hell? Those are crazy numbers. Um, Robles, you know, he showed some promise in the leadoff spot a few times, but just couldn't seem to hold it together once, especially spring training. And then once the season started, kind of couldn't do it. But we keep coming back to the same point, which is it doesn't matter because the season is, is we've given up on the season anyway. So like, like you said, Ryan, let him play, leave him up there, see if he can do it. And, you know, let Carter Keeboom suck at third base. And if he still sucks after 60 games, then you've got decisions to make, but maybe he can settle in and you know make those mistakes and get used to being in the major leagues and get past whatever that mental hurdle is with him about being up with the big club so yeah um, some good things happening I mean obviously the the main focus everybody's got this weekend is reacting to losing a lot of players that you know fan favorite kind of players but there's a lot of there's a lot of good things to be watching in this on this team too and they're no they're not going to win the world series this year but that doesn't mean this isn't a team that can be fun to watch and there's some fun stuff going on. Yeah. I think Robles falls in the same category as Carter Keeboom in that, you know, he was given the opportunity to be lead off at the start of the year, but when he struggled, it was, Oh, we're trying to contend. We have a lot on the line specifically, you know, Max Scherzer's free agent, Trey Turner mm-hmm. contract looming, et cetera, et cetera. Like we can't afford to wait out a Victor Robles slump in the leadoff spot. And we never saw him again. And now it's like, okay, well now Victor gets to work through what it's like to go through a slump in the leadoff spot. 
if that happens again, like he, again, the, the hits haven't really been there, but he's been finding ways on base and that that's what matters as a leadoff guy. It's not just about on base percentage. Obviously that's a huge part of it, but it's not the, the whole uh, kit and caboodle. Like Victor's going to grow a lot in this role and, and hopefully he becomes a, a more established offensive presence one way or another because of it. Yadier Hernandez, I mean, this is what this team needs right now. It seemed like specifically Friday night, obviously the day all these moves went down and were finalized. Nats part, I wasn't there, but it seemed like it, it was bumping. Like it seemed like morale was high. And a lot of that had to do with Yadier Hernandez. And, you know, these guys saying like, hey, we're still a team. We're still going to fight and compete and treat like we are competing for a playoff spot because technically they're not out of it yet. The The prospects aren't high, not like the players, but like, the, the outlook isn't high for, for a playoff run this year, but Hey, like you can't tell that to this team. And that's what they were really trying to say with this message and their performance over the weekends. Like, Hey, we're going to fight. And someone like Yadier Hernandez hitting two bombs today and one being a walk-off after the, the Cubs like just refused to go away. That That's a big message to the team and its fans saying like, you know, you we're going to give you something to root for. And I think that's what they needed. So great job for, uh, or to Yadiel Hernandez. And I wouldn't mind seeing him stick around. I know it gave him some, uh, some grief with his defensive ability <laughs> on Saturday. Cause he, he misplayed two balls pretty badly for my, my boy, Joe Ross. So I, I had to give him a little grief, but sorry, Yadiel, you're, you're good <laughs> in my book now. Totally um, redeemed himself today. But another reason for Nats fans to be excited tomorrow night so if you're listening to this tonight monday night josiah gray is making his debut he was the prize pitching prospect uh, that we got back in the max scherzer and trey turner deal uh i'm very excited i am officially placing my flag as a josiah gray stand i just i always lean towards pitchers that's just it's position i played it's really the position i coach and so I'm always going to be favor the pitchers. Don't get me wrong. I love and am excited for Keeper Ruiz, but very, very excited for Josiah Gray. Um, what are you guys thinking about his debut and uh, what are your expectations? Um, I'm pretty excited. I love catching pitcher debuts. I have a pretty good track record. I saw Joe Ross's, um, I, the three, you know, two of them that got traded away for whatever his name is. I'm not going down that alley right now. Um, but just looking at like who he is, what to expect. I'm pretty excited. He's, he used to be a shortstop. He is very, very athletic. Why does that matter to the pitcher? It allows him to repeat his delivery the same every single time and allows him to get a little extra oomph on his pitches with that athleticism, his fastball. He's sitting 92, 97, usually around 95. He can't touch 98. His second best pitch is his slider. He is a pretty good slider. Um, he's hitting mid eighties with that. His curveball is good. He's still working on it. It's an upper 70s. Fastball slider are his main two pitches. He will mix the curveball in there as well. His changeup just exists. Exist. Um, that's something the Nats really need to work on with because it has times where his changeup doesn't do anything. It just sits. And if you throw a changeup that does not drop in the major league level, it's going 500 feet. So that's something the Nats are really going to have to work with him. There's a lot of potential here. He has a good four-pitch repertoire. The Nats are going to have to work with this and just get the consistency and help develop those off-speed pitches because his fastball is there as late life. And he gets a lot of swing and misses on his fastball because of that late life and it rises. So there's a lot of potential here. If the Nats can help harness the control and the movement, this guy could be special and I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm excited about him too. Um, he, when we first saw the reports on who the Nats got back from the Dodgers, I was excited to see this. I, you know, I love to see young pitchers develop. I, I do have a little apprehension because the Nats don't have the best track record with developing young pitching. Um, this guy though is mostly major league ready. He has already been in the majors for the Dodgers. I think twice. Is that right? Um, uh, so, yeah, he started two, two games this year. Yeah. So he's pretty cool. You know, he's pretty much major league ready at this point, which is a nice thing. I mean, I, 
you know, you don't want to go for major leaguers really when you're doing a trade to tear down, but to have some prospects who are this close to being major league ready is really exciting. And it makes me think that, you know, since the Nats aren't that good at developing pitching, that maybe this guy is well-developed enough that we're not going to have a Lucas Giolito type of issue with him. I still haven't gotten over Lucas Giolito being, being what he is after we traded him away, but that's a whole nother tangent. So yeah, I'm going to be at the game tomorrow. I'm super excited. I love seeing player debuts. Um, it's so nice if they become, you know, a star or they become a long-term player to be able to tell people five years or 10 years down the road that you were at a guy's debut. So I'm super excited about the game tomorrow. I'm excited about Gray. Excited about Gray. I'm a little surprised that they assigned Ruiz to Rochester rather than bringing him to the, to the big club. I don't really see what the point is of leaving him at AAA. I think my best guess is that we haven't heard anything about Avila and not that he's like a world beater. That's not my point, but having a veteran catcher is important to groom these young catchers, but also maintain a good rapport with these pitchers, especially these young pitchers, even like Fetty and Ross would fall into that category. Um, So I think they prefer to have at least one vet, paired with either Tress or I mean it's Tress at this point he's getting the, the first crack at you know a gig next year a starting gig next year um so I think that's their their mindset but I do expect in September we will see Ruiz so it's really a month of baseball he's going to be down for a month I mean the minor league season ends in like two weeks anyways and then in September we'll see Ruiz catch catch some but Avila back kind of mentoring both Tress and uh Kiebert which isn't the worst thing in the world yeah I guess I just I'd love to see him sooner than that and let him again like the other guys we've talked about like let them play and get some experience at the big league level when it doesn't matter and we don't have any aspirations for the postseason yeah uh speaking of debuts though uh I caught the goat Taylor Jordan's debut um so i think i am uh, above you guys in that regard um but ryan made a phenomenal point about josiah gray being a converted shortstop i don't know if you can really call call him that but uh with shortstop experience you know who else was a converted shortstop jacob Degrom. Mm. so i'm not saying he's next jacob Degrom. that's what you're saying right (laughs) i'm not saying but i'm just saying um, so yeah, very, very excited for Josiah Gray. Uh, I, <laughs> why are you giggling? <laughs> Cause I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're so connected. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm very, very excited. And I hope fans are too. And he's not, don't, don't go into tonight, tonight being Monday night, expecting Josiah Gray to be a Max Scherzer replacement. There's going to be growing pains. He's not going to be Max Scherzer level, maybe ever, but that doesn't mean he won't be exciting to watch and doesn't mean he won't be a valuable piece. So just please like temper your bear, expectations. bear with us oh. on these prospects because there's going to be growing pains. Great point because pitchers are very, very different. He is 23 years old. He is young. He is still pretty raw. Jacob DeGrom didn't become Jacob DeGrom until he's 32. Max didn't become Max until he's 31. Pitchers are very different. Sometimes they take time. It takes some time. So if he struggles a little bit, don't don't do the whole, we trade the Max for this guy type thing. Yeah. And I know we're going to see it too. And it's absolutely going to happen. The point is, pitchers take time. They're different than position players. I actually think the first tweets about, I can't believe we traded Max for this bum, will be tomorrow. I will debut when we were talking about it. I am, I am, you can hear it right now. I am going to tweet that if he gives up a home run in the first inning, you can bank it. (laughs) I will, I will do that. (laughs) Just, just so that anyone else who tweets it after you is just like, uh, what's the word? It's, it's not, it's not cool doing it if you are exactly, even, even if you're saying it ironically. Cause like, I did it so ironically that it yeah. ruins everyone else who did it. Right. Exactly. And I, that, that's just the greatest public service Shaq could ever do. <laughs> it's like, it's like an, um, when Strauss made his debut, Bleach Report like tweeted, Oh, he threw a ball, cut his ass. 
like that type of thing that's what I'm yeah doing. yeah love it yeah speaking of the greatest public service you could ever do manscaped today's episode is sponsored by our friends at manscaped i mean every episode it is but uh i guess especially today's episode is sponsored by them the leaders in below the waist grooming it's back to school time uh it doesn't affect me how y'all be easy though it's back to school time and we want to make sure you pack the essentials to have the best year yet the manscaped fourth generation performance package is just that things are opening back up slowly but surely uh, things are opening back up be ready for whatever is in the daily schedule for you it's the perfect package for your package and it includes the new brand new lawnmower 4.0 fellas go for it the valedictorian of ball trimming and join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code hshh20 it'll save you 20 percent off and get you free shipping i mean that's a no-brainer deal deal right there Plus, you get a free travel bag and some boxers, which I'm wearing right now, and they are quite comfortable. So I definitely recommend them. So go to Manscaped. Use our promo code HSHH20 and help us help you help us because you will not regret it. And you get some great gear to take care of yourself as well. So go do that right now. All right. Before we get out of here, let's tie a neat bow on this episode and kind of this reactionary weekend a lot of emotions going on so do you guys have your one big thing i have my one big thing go We're for a, it we are in a new era enjoy it it's gonna be fun um it might suck at times but there's gonna be perks to it cheaper tickets less people at the game hopefully um it's just that's more fun. I I hate crowded stadiums. It's I can spread out. And there's no one there, but it's fun. You know, like if they do this right, they can be competitive again in two years. That's if they do it right. But it's an exciting new time. A lot of these, you know, a lot of fans are newer here. 2012, some a little bit before. That's just because the team wasn't that old here. But a lot of people haven't seen a team that's going through rebuild or retooling, and it's really fun to experience the other side of it. Ryan Zimmerman was like, not me though. I already went through that once. I'm probably going to dip again. <laughs> um, but it's really fun and just enjoy the ride because no expectation of baseball is actually pretty good. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And mine is one we already um, touched on a little bit, which was about Mike Rizzo. I was really, I was shocked by the extent of this teardown. I thought, and we've talked a lot of times about they'll probably trade Max and maybe Brad Hand, but then they won't do enough and it'll be more mediocrity and we'll be stuck in purgatory forever. And I just think it's worth stating that I, for one, feel a little differently about Mike Rizzo after this. I respect the hell out of what he did. It's it's obviously really tough as a fan, but what he did was in the best interest of the team. And I don't know if it was ownership that kept him from ever doing this in the past, but we were just saying as early as a week ago, you know, Oh, well, he's too egotistical. He's not going to admit he couldn't do, you know what I mean? I just, I feel like we were wrong largely about Rizzo and that he did recognize where we were and did what was best for the team, even though it's highly unpopular with a lot of the fan base. And I'm sure he knew there was going to be a big backlash to it. But it's getting what the Nats did is getting high grades across baseball, you know, from people who really understand the game. I've seen a lot of A plus grades for the Nats trade deadline moves. And anyway, so that's it. It's just, you know, I, I respect what Mike Rizzo did, and I have high hopes for the future, but not the immediate future. <laughs> I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, it doesn't have to happen right away. I mean, sports wouldn't be sports if everything had to happen, you know, right then and there. Obviously, it, it's much more uh, fun when it happens immediately and you can kind of just see the, the fruits of your labor right away. But it doesn't mean it's not worth it if it doesn't happen right away. So uh, my one big thing is similar to both of yours. I, I Obviously, that's been the theme of this episode, but over the past couple of years, and it really obviously started with Bryce leaving, Nats fans may have experienced uh, a situation where their favorite player left. 
or the specifically the player that maybe got them into being a Nats fan or got them into baseball or whatever it may be. Bryce Rendon, now Max, Trey, um, you know, even Huddy, I'm, I'm sure there's, we have like a, a section of Huddy stands out there with all the, the glove yeeting going on during the, the run. Like, you know, th- these beloved guys that meant a lot to the team, Howie Kendrick, another one, um, mm-hmm. you know, these guys that meant a lot to the team ha- have gone on to their next chapter, whatever it may be. And you're kind of just left saying, okay, now what? You can, just like you might've done with Bryce, like, if Bryce is your favorite player, well, maybe now you're shifting to Trey Turner, right? And if, uh, who else? Like if Rendon was your favorite player, maybe you shifted to Steven Trosser or what, whatever the, the succession was, like it can still happen, right? So if Max and Trey are gone, find one of these young guys, do some research, watch some highlights on YouTube, and I guarantee you're going to feel better about the prospect of their potential, you're going to get excited for them. That's literally what I did with Josiah Gray. It's like, all right, this is the pitching prospect we're getting back in all these trades. Let me go do some research. I did research and I fell in love. Like this guy's potential is off the charts and it just gives me a, a reason to, to be excited about this team again. And you can do that too. I, I understand it's not easy. Like <laughs> it's not easy just to pick a new favorite player. But that's how I, you know, got excited about Joe Ross. Like I'm the biggest Joe Ross fan I know. I've defended him for years now, even when like it looked like he couldn't even stick with his team as a reliever. I've always been a Joe Ross fan. I got very excited about Josh Bell and, you know, stuck with him through a, a terrible first month of the season and almost being canceled by Shaq, by Toxic Shaq twice. I stuck with Josh Bell. And, you know, that's really what baseball is all about. Like one way or another, these players were going to move on, whether it be by trade or free agency or retirement, whatever. Like it doesn't mean you, you stop rooting for your team. It's just a, a, you know, a checkpoint uh, in, in the road where, you know, you just got to figure out what's next. That's what the team is doing. They're figuring out is what is next, but just look up these young guys and give them a chance, give them a chance to, to win your loyalty or, you know, prove that they're, they're a part of the Nats to earn their car- curly W to, to, you know, put, put it you know, plainly, like give them a chance. And I, I think you'll, you'll be pretty surprised. And I hope, you know, I, anyone listening to this who was pretty upset and didn't agree with the decision to sell is, uh, you know, converted to a, a optimist mm-hmm. and hopefully they uh, get a chance to, no matter how much it hurts, you can fall in love again. Yeah, exactly. The best way to get over your ex is to get under someone else, right? So do there that with go. one of these. <laughs> one yeah, of these that got awkward, but one we of the, know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we're all on the same page, which it's very rare. With it is. Half straight high. It is. Enjoy that too, heaters. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You guys got anything else? I don't think so. All right. Well, again, be sure to check out uh, Josiah Gray's debut. It is actually on ESPN tonight. So for those like me who refuse to watch a game with FP Santangelo commentating, you don't have to. And that's pretty cool. Uh, So ESPN tonight, uh, definitely that's, I would mark that as must watch TV. So be sure to do that. Follow the show on Twitter at half straight high heat. You get a bunch of great clips while during the game too which didn't used to happen and now now it is so if you can't catch the game live be sure to follow the account and turn on post notifications that way you can see any highlights that go on during the game um follow us on twitter at nationals ace at we are all shack and at a white 7877 there's a lot of great scintillating content as amanda likes to say mm-hmm. on those accounts and go check out our website at halfstreethighheat.com there's blogs there's the t public site with all of our merch there's a link to our youtube channel there's all great stuff that you can find down there and just go down a rabbit hole and uh buy some stuff along the way that'll that'll make us happy all right guys until thursday all uh, right we'll we'll go baby nats go 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 new look nats (laughs) i'm gonna change my name to like new look nats or new new era nats yeah Uh, new era nats got rebuilding shack 
yeah rebuilding shack and new era nats about to take over love it all right <laughs> all right later i almost said later but i'm not gonna say later you said it twice now. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls, so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go Nats We're gonna score for score We're gonna win for sure So call your local congressman We need another monument The Nats are rolling on the win roll D.C. Let's go Nats By the early light of dawn Well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching Are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress That they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's In every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.